Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 111 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. Our main discussion topic this week is Resurgence. It's the mid-season finale of Stargate Universe. Season 2 aired a couple of weeks ago on the Sci-Fi Channel. And we've been talking about SGU for coming on three months now. And this is the last one before the mid-season break, which we're now in, enjoying the mid-season break. Yes, we are. When We don't know when the show comes back yet, right? It's like March or April, but we're not sure. I think it's going to be April. All that Sci-Fi has announced so far is spring. Interesting. Yeah, so just like last year, we have approximately four months off. Okay. So, David, how are you doing? I am well. How's New and um, exciting this week? Anything exciting? Yeah, I went to um, I went to the Blizzard uh, 20th anniversary Christmas party for Blizzard Entertainment. They create World of Warcraft and Starcraft wow. and Diablo. Yeah, uh, almost three thousand people were there, and uh, I photographed it with a buddy. Oh, cool! Um, it's it's his event. He does it every year, and uh, I was one so of the photographers were, on the floor. You were working. You were not a VIP. Correct. Correct. It was at the Disneyland Resort Hotel. One of the biggest spaces I've ever seen. There was a That's live band, funny. an amazing band, dueling pianos, two karaoke rooms, craps, uh, Texas Hold'em. It was insane. And I was wow. out at that until 3 o'clock this morning. So, <laughs> yeah, I took, I took nearly 1,000 photos. Wow. It, it was nuts. Couples upon couples, people on the dance floor. It was crazy. And Blizzard has a lot to be proud of. They just launched Cataclysm, and I'm looking forward to playing that at some point with my buddies. Uh-huh. It's cool. What about you? You're home. I'm home. I've been uh, I've been kicking it with the kids. I've been taking time off of studies and just hanging out with my family and doing a whole lot of shopping and mm. replacing a lot of my wardrobe that I decided not to replace in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Did you bring extra suitcases for presents that are going back with you? We did. We actually packed a suitcase inside of a suitcase so yeah. that we could bring bring more back than we than we came with. Yeah, exactly. You you have to. You know. I mean. It's not they're they're not adults yet, so you can't give them like DVDs. You know they they yeah. have they have to have toys. <laughs> My five year old, look, it's a gift certificate. <laughs> Here you can play with it. Open it like this. <laughs> yeah, he did get. I think this was the first time that he got money in a card from his great grandma. I could just so, see the the look on his little face. Exactly. So we like, have to explain that. What is you know, this? Money can be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> explain how. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of uh, mid-season finales and, and season finales for, for smaller shows have uh, been playing out. Is there anything else that you've been watching? I've been watching a lot of the new shows that are on this fall, uh, but I'm still catching up. I've not reached the f- mid-season finale point for anything. Mm-hmm. I'm about four episodes into No Ordinary Family. I'm about eight or nine episodes into The Event, which I'm, I'm rather enjoying. Also watching The Walking Dead, but I have two episodes mm-hmm. left to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I have both been watching The Walking Dead. I just finished it. It it was okay. It it, it kind of ended on. Um, um, it was okay. It kind of ended. A uh, the, yeah, it's just a whimper. It, not a whimper. There actually, there's a very big explosion. Actually, it doesn't feel like a season finale. You know, it was mm. only six episodes for one season, but it's good. It's good. You'll like it. I want to see the events. I love Jason Ritter. So I mean, mm-hmm. 
I haven't gotten around to watching that, but that's worth seeing. It is. Um, I I've, don't know if I've done it on the podcast before, but I've compared it to Flash Forward last season, which yeah, I was I pretty disappointed with. It was one of those big network, uh, huge ensemble cast mm-hmm. shows that sort of, by the end of it, I just wanted it to be over, and I was so glad it was canceled so that I could stop watching it. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I was committed to seeing how they were going to play out the story. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying the event quite a lot so far. It's got a great cast. It's got Blair Underwood as the president. It's got yes. Laura Ines from ER, who I love. Um, okay. A lot of good people on this. I'm looking forward to checking that one out. I finished Caprica last weekend. I locked myself in oh, my good. house all Sunday and watched the second half of Caprica. Well, I got to do that. The The last three episodes are, are the best of the series, in my opinion. Okay. And the last five minutes is astoundingly good. But, you know, I kind of have to say that i think it was probably a good idea that they that they put it down even even though the the last five minutes shows what was going to happen in the series at the same time it's just like you know it it didn't the first season just didn't there was no humor Mm. you know i mean as dark as galactica was you had gaius baltar and i was laughing my guts out a lot of the time throughout that show and the show didn't have any humor Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say nothing of a few other things that it was lacking Uh, i'm glad i watched it so Mm. Um, well, we're about to go on hiatus. We have one more show uh, before before we go on a little holiday break. But when we come back in January, there's going to be some new shows to talk about as well. There's new mid-season shows that are starting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I've been living in the UK, I've been watching a little bit of uh, a BBC Being Human? 3 series called Being Human. I knew you were going to talk about uh, that. And Sci-Fi is reinventing it. They're, they're launching a, a US version of Being Human in January. Sam Whitworth's in it. Sam Whitworth, yeah, from season nine of Smallville. If you watched him, he was Doomsday on Smallville. No, I don't know him from Smallville. <laughs> you watch him from, some, from uh, Galactica from else, and from Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. All right, there you go. Yeah, he is the Apprentice. So, and he was in Stephen King's The Mist, which is very freaky. It's a good watch. That's cool. Yeah. So, and yeah, I just I, finished Dexter. Dexter airs tomorrow night. The last episode of season five, and I've really been looking forward to this one. Good. good. V is coming back. V. When is V coming back? Ah, uh, first week of January, I think. That's season yeah. two, right? Yeah, yeah, season two. Okay. It's going to be another shorter season. I think it's going to be about 13 episodes. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. And then the last thing that we want to mention before we get into the episode discussion is now on GateWorld, we have a brand new audio interview that you can not only read, but you can download it and listen to it. And this Patrick was one of yours. You've we've been we've been relying on Chad's interviews for quite a while, but you sat down on the telephone and talked with Patrick Gilmore, Mr. Dale Volker from uh, Universe. He's also trending on Reese, and uh, talked with him for about forty minutes. Nice guy, really nice guy. Cool. That was a fun piece. Definitely look for that on GateWorld.net. Uh, if you subscribe to the GateWorld podcast on iTunes, you can also. Go to the iTunes store and you can find the GateWorld Interviews podcast. And you can get, get our interview with Patrick Gilmore there, as well as uh, everybody else that we have audio for. Just search GateWorld in the iTunes store and you'll, you'll see all of our, fam- our entire family of podcasts. We'll pop right up for you. The main discussion. Our main discussion topic, once again, is Resurgence. This is the mid-season finale of Season 2 of SGU. What do you think this episode title means? What do you think it's referring to? Resurgence. There's a resurgence of... No, I think it's a reference to the ships. I think it's a reference to the ships lying dormant and now being woken up. Mm-hmm. Stargate Universe and the Stargate franchise, we, do, we tend to do a lot of waking up of our enemies. You notice that? We do, yeah. We woke up the Wraith. Who else did we wake up? We woke the Ori to our presence. 
That's true. And the uh, Asurans, the Pegasus the Galaxy replicators. We didn't really wake them. Well, we, we did tamper with their base codes, so in that respect, we woke them up. We sort of uh, alerted them to our presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. what I'm really interested in this... Uh, the, okay, first of all, VFX, Mark Savella, awesome stuff in this yeah. episode. And yeah. these ships, these drone ships are super cool. They are uh, neat. Uh, they they're very awesome. unconventional looking. They fly very fast and they're very maneuverable. They apparently don't have shields. It looks like we can take them out with one shot. If you, mm-hmm. can, if you can manage to hit one. So their advantages in their speed and maneuverability and in their numbers more than anything. They're a lot but like the what, pods of the blue aliens in that respect. They didn't have shields either. Yeah, but wouldn't you say these are a lot faster? Yeah, they do move quicker. You're right. And but they're more I'm numerous. From, from, from these drone ships is whether or not they are going to stick around if they, if they play sort of any part in the mythology or if it's just sort of a bad guy for the mid-season two-parter and then we're going to go back to back to destiny's uh path that it's following the seed ships and we're never going to see see this again well i, th- I think you you hit it on the head as to kind of my complaint for for this episode and and once again the the yeah. i hate i mean you, you know you know that i hate cliched cliffhangers i mean with the way that they set it up you can't tell me that when when uh 211 airs in the opening moments, Destiny is crippled and blows up. Destiny's going to blow up. Destiny's yeah. going to blow up. Uh, Chloe, what did you do? It's too late. And then we come back and Destiny gets destroyed. So that it's a- that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So why would you create a cliffhanger that leads you to that conclusion? Why, why bother? Why why do that? Why why not uh, put it the the ship in, into a situation where there is legitimate suspense and something. Is, is is being alluded to that could actually happen. I will say from my more optimistic point of view, it's it's a good cliffhanger in terms of storytelling, but it's as as I think you're getting to, it's very formulaic. This is the sort of the ship is on the verge of blowing up. This is uh the sort of thing that we've seen not only on SGU but in a lot of shows a lot wow. of times. Now because it is so formulaic, I will confess that I don't find it tremendously memorable. Uh, we were talking about this several days after I had watched it for the first time, and I honestly could not remember how it ended. I couldn't remember what the cliffhanger was because it just sort of bleeds into the background of so many cliffhangers that I've seen. Yeah, you pull out from the ship and it's being it's being attacked. I mean, that's that's kind of a I, I use this word way too much. I'm guilty of it, but it is kind of a trope. My now I, I, we are really jumping to the to the meat and potatoes of this episode. I understand, and we're gonna have to backtrack a little bit, but um. I have to say, episode three, Awakening, you know, this is basically a part two of Awakening. This literally, mm-hmm. rather rather suddenly, answers all of the questions from Awakening. It's basically an info dump. Yeah, um, we get to find out what happened to Telford and those exactly. aliens that were surrounding him. And, and as far as I was concerned at the time, not looking particularly menacing. Yeah, exactly. From, from the end of that episode, that the, these guys are just... They're not threatening Telford. They're right. not gonna they're not gonna kill him. Right. And they they're very clear to answer all of the dangling questions. I mean, a couple of the characters um get the opportunity to expound on that. I mean, even Eli is telling Chloe the reason that they were bleeding away the power from the ship is because they were desperate. So every everything is answered. And I, I did like um I did like the answers. I think that that's I think it's interesting that uh, you have uh, you have a race of beings in this galaxy who located a seed ship and tried to cannibalize it. Um, or study it, do some reconnaissance with it, um, mm-hmm. and they got stuck. So, Hoping that it would help them in their conflict 
against this right. this group of drones. I want to keep saying this race, but we don't even know if there is a race. No, uh, which is a topic that I want to get to in a few minutes. But yeah. first, yeah, this this info dump, this backstory that we learned about about the aliens um, who now officially have a, a canonical name. Mm-hmm. Praise God, the Ursini. <laughs> uh, there's out there that so does. When we go into the Omnipedia, I don't have to come up with a name like Seedship mm-hmm. Aliens. Mm-hmm. We just call them the Ursini. They were expecting somebody to come back and pick them up from the yeah. seed ship, and nobody did. So they were very happy to have Telford help them get the get the ship up and running again. The the enemy is it's an interesting enemy. You know, it's not it's not someone that's necessarily. I hope this changes, but it appears that it's not someone. It's not a story that is relevant to the overall mythology. I mean, if if they want to mid season cliffhangers and and, and as far as we know so far. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, if if the show is supposed to go on for only five years, then if you can, if you include the mid-season uh, cliffhangers and the end-season cliffhangers, you have eight stories to tell, and all those eight stories should really be thick. I think with with series mythology, and what it is is we leave the beaten path of Gates and we get ourselves into trouble, and that's how it ends surprisingly unsatisfying in my opinion i was really expecting i was really expecting something to to be really significant about where the show is going in the mythology and we just kind of get hung up on this brand new enemy that we've only known about for about 15 minutes uh, am, I, am i wrong i'm not, yeah and I'm, you're right and i'm not sure that it is an enemy uh, which is what i was trying to get at i'm not really? sure that the ursini are actively at war with another race which is what i expected from this episode but these are drone ships. These are automated, and then there's a command ship, which uh, we did not see. But Joseph which we did not has see, posted which, the artwork which, for. It's which cool they looking. want to attack and and destroy. Right. Um, apparently, it's. I, I get the impression, at least, that it's sort of like a command ship from Phantom Menace, where once mm. you take it out, then all the drones that it controls, mm-hmm. they all broken. Mm-hmm. You can just yeah. push them over. Ugh. It's not necessarily that the Ursini stumbled along and woke up a race that mm-hmm. they're now at war with, but they found some dormant technology and they woke up a weapon. And now they're they're trying to get rid of the weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the episode starts off with, with us detecting this energy signature. We go, we, we change directions. We fly a day out in, in hyperspace and find these, these ships broken up. And then the episode spends, what, the first 25 minutes... Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Going over in the shuttle, uh, almost docking with the other ship, connecting a tether to the other ship, crossing the threshold into the other ship, beginning to explore the other ship, and nothing happens. Yeah, we get some and banter in the corridor between there's a little, Greer there, and There's some and fun Brody. beats between Greer and Brody. That's that They're funny. Opening the um, door with the crowbar. Nothing happens over there. And I'm scratching my head thinking, this is bizarre. I understand that 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 was probably an expensive set, the Ursini uh, uh, spaceship set. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to uh, spend a lot of money on the set, you can squeeze it. You can say you can justify uh, spending a little bit more money on a set by saying, "Let's do two episodes with this set." They don't have to be next to one another in terms of production order, but let's do two episodes with this set, and that way we can spend some more money on it. Sure. And that seemed to me that that was all that they did. Was they went over there to show to show the set one more time in order to justify the expense in building that set? Great set, by the way. It's a good set design, but it feels like that that's all that we did. And then we we fly back and we dock and 
we get rescued. Cool well, that was, sequence flying into the star. That was the moment where the ships revealed themselves and we started to see them out the window. Right. Was, was then it triggered sort of the next the next beat the next movement of the plot was Right. Hey guys, get your asses back here. And we need to get our guys back because we're under attack or we think mm-hmm. we're about to be under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt the same way and it, it felt like, you know, boy, if I was in the theater and this was a two and a half hour science fiction movie, this would be just about right. We want yeah, to exactly. sort of the slow build the suspense of going over to the ship and and sending the tether over and you know the the visual effect of Greer leaping the gap was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then exploring those dark corridors um, <laughs> and Greer's got these great little beats like it's quiet, too quiet. Yeah. But yeah, but it doesn't lead that, to anything per the se. The fact that nothing happens and and just like when we went over to the Ursini ship in the greater good, it was sort of an an impetus for the plot of our mm-hmm. guys being stranded over there. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get anything on the ship. We didn't find anything. We didn't learn anything. This even more so. It's it's a lot of time in the 44 Actually, minutes. Actually less so, but still. <laughs> yeah. Less yeah. less uh, that we that we come away with. Yeah. So in 44 minutes of television, it's it's a lot of of time spent doing that which, mm-hmm. which seems to not really pay off for for the plot of this episode well they seem to not recover anything from the previous time that they were uh, at one of these ships and it appeared that they had almost all the time in the world to do so so -hmm. why would you go back that was one of the things that that perplexed me and then we literally get ourselves in a situation over there where we've spent a lot of time trying to get there and and looking around and nothing comes of it as an audience member i was very perplexed uh, and it's yeah. and it's an odd stumble for for this show, which has which has been, in my humble opinion, has been an excellent show for for a mid season finale or for exactly. a season finale. We expect sort of a, a crescendo of the plot, and yeah, there's obviously a lot of money that was spent on visual effects, mm-hmm. and the visual effects in the second half of the episode are stellar. The visual um, effects right from the right from the whole sequence with the star. I mean, I'm just eating it up. That that seed ship is a beautiful ship, and I think we see it a lot better this yeah. time than we did yeah. before. From the point in which the action picks up and we're under attack, right? Um, but but going over, you know, deciding to go uh, investigate this energy source, finding the graveyard that was that was cool. Finding the mm-hmm. the the remains of the battle, but then you know the whole process of well, we're deciding to go over there. Matt's talking to Chloe about the fact that we're going over there. Now we're getting our suits on to go over there. Now we're going over there. Now we're you know, leaping over the gap and exploring. I don't know. I, I it's not the sort that, of thing. It's not the sort of thing I expect to see in a mid-season finale. Right. Exactly. I I think I'm going to end up seeing. I don't. I don't. We don't know what the second half looks like, but we may be end, ending up thinking that uh, these two episodes probably would have been better as a single episode if they had compressed it a little bit more. Mm. I mean, perhaps perhaps not to the extent that Enemy of, at the Gate was compressed, but. You know, it's it's just an odd it's an odd cliffhanger. You know, we don't know who these people are. I, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that something's going to come of the these drones and the Ursini, that they are going to be critical to to the destiny's overall mission and getting to where we're going. I hope I hope that I'm completely wrong about that. I just I don't you don't get the vibe from that in this episode and you think that you would. Yeah. But the you can't, ep- can't judge a two parter by by the first part alone for sure. No. No. It's it's going to be interesting to see what the what the second half has in store. The episode, um, in addition to that, the episode does take its time uh, with several slow moments. The uh, uh, we we spend a lot of time with Eli mm-hmm. and him 
getting over, you know, a lot of things that, that probably should have been said in visitation, you know, concerning the timing of the events are said here. You know, in some ways, it's almost like visitation didn't happen. And this is right after Malice. Even Cain isn't mentioned. And, you know, we're going on about uh, uh, even Varro and, and the Lucian Alliance are in lockdown now from that episode. Eli talks with both uh, Camille and with Rush, unwittingly. Uh, about what's happened there's an mm-hmm. interesting a few interesting exchanges and it's it's a lot of great insight into his character yeah he's sort of shut down and has has retreated into his into his shell a bit mm-hmm. you know he's he's found uh you know basically lying on his bunk in his quarters listening to his ipod mm-hmm. um, do we know what song he was listening to i don't know what it was okay yeah, i'm sure somebody out there does but yeah you know camille takes the the sort of friendly, or we're two friends talking. This is not a psych eval approach, yeah. uh, and I was surprised. It seemed like they were, they had to be talking about about Gin and her recent death, but she actually starts with Riley, yeah, and how he's dealing with Riley, who apparently those two were really close. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that impression watching the show that they were they were particularly buddies. Right. I mean, you got the you got the. You know, mess hall table kind of scenes, and they were definitely at the table together. But you know, I didn't yeah, get the impression a, that Riley was a significant part of Eli's life. Yeah, they're a bit more in the Kino webisodes from season one. Oh, they played uh, together. Yeah. yeah, where they're like racing Kinos down the corridor. Camille mentions a, a memorial video. Was there a was there a memorial video Kino webisode? No, it's not a Kino webisode because um, okay. they're not doing any webisodes for season two. Um, they I aren't. Think it's, I think it's what we were wa- watching Eli watch. At the end of aftermath. Okay. Okay. What he was watching, I guess, was the end of of the Kino recording that that Riley had made. Mm, so I okay. guess we're to assume that he sort of maybe incorporated that into some sort of a tribute. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Can we back up for a second and talk a little bit more about Telford and the Ursini? Absolutely. Telford returns. He which is something uh, that we were expecting. When when last we saw him, he was uh, alone on uh, the seed ship, being surrounded by the Ursini, and it turns out that he can't communicate with them. Uh, mm-hmm. Verbal communication is virtually impossible, he says, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. They're really sticking to their guns. Of the aliens are really alien, and mm-hmm. you know they they don't whip out a universal translator and start talking broken English. Well, I mean, if you 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 heard their dialect, I mean it's. They don't even pronounce. They don't. They don't make sounds like we do. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. That that there's even if you could get them to learn our language, that that doesn't mean that they could speak it in any in any definable, real sense. Right. So I like that aspect of it. That's so really now, cool. What do you think of the solution that that we have of sticking Telford into one of their pods, and the pods have a a neural interface to sort of when when an Ursini's in there in stasis, it's to sort of help keep his brain active uh, i think it's kind of convenient he watched uh, an entire video library's worth of video and he has been able to assemble and, and determine what it is that they want what it is that they're you know after like his brain his 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 very alien brain from their brains mm-hmm. has managed to create a sort of narrative out of that and discovered you know who these people are and what mm-hmm. problems they're having what do you think I prefer it to a universal translator, but it does seem to require a bit of a suspension of disbelief that he could sit in there for a few days and and you know plug into see, it. And he not describes even it as seeing it. as seeing you know images, and most of the images are just blurry and, and undecipherable. But over the course of 
the bits and pieces start to flow together and he gets a sense of who these guys are, what they mm-hmm. want, what they're doing. And then, yeah, he can even communicate the specifics of this plan. You know, we mm-hmm. want to help you fix your FTL so that we can go attack this command ship and get home. That's, yeah. you know, that's really specific. And the pods also feed them, too. Yeah. I'm glad, th- I'm glad that they took the time to answer these questions. I mean, th- these are legitimate questions. H- how the heck are they able to survive on that? I mean, so that's, I'm glad that they did that. So, the flying into the sun. That was cool. That was very cool. The ship seems to um, know to recharge when it's flying into a sun. Mm-hmm. So, either that or they flipped the switches. I don't, I, I'm yeah, curious we saw about the, that. The Bussard collectors came down. <laughs> yeah, the Bussard collectors came down and, and, and scooped it up like ice cream. And it's cool that this is used as a battle strategy. And it's Telford's idea. And so, the question that... that you raised to me was why didn't young and rush think of doing this it seems mm-hmm. kind of obvious mm-hmm. uh, and in their defense when rewatching the episode there's only a few moments between you know young finding out that our shields are failing our weapons are failing our ftl is offline we're about Telford, to die oh my god and telford showing up with this with this idea i think we see some of the ships that try to follow them into the into the star and blow up because again i don't think they have shields right uh, but then there's dialogue after the fact that Really, we've only bought ourselves time, uh, and as soon as the drones go around the sun, well, I guess more drones. Not they didn't all get destroyed. Yeah, more drones. What happens with Chloe comes to see, perhaps comes to a head in this episode, or maybe not at all. She, I, uh, I think I, it's but an I, interlude. I, you what? I think it's an interlude. Well, I mean, she's kind of gone River Tam. You know, she would, mm-hmm. which was you know, kind of, you were kind of, we were kind of expecting that. You know, she, when the guard tries to block her, she takes him out and maybe even kills him. So who knows? But but she's done something by the end of this episode. It's too late, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Spe- speculations on yeah, I, I think she fixed the hyperdrive, the FDL, excuse the me, FTL? or bypass. It. I think she figured out how to bypass it. What do you think? Yeah, that would make sense. So that we could just sort of get away and regroup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's uh, if she's being programmed or has been programmed by the blue aliens and the blue aliens want destiny. They you know, want to keep it she safe. is looking out the window watching the battle happen, watching the explosions on the hull. So whatever she's doing, I think she's doing to protect destiny and get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's sort of an interlude for her for her uh, transformation. I think there's much more to come. And I want to see the blue aliens come back. I want to see. Uh, yeah, I think actually, the only come back. time that we've seen them this season was in Trial and Error, and mm-hmm. that was in, in it was Young's, fake. Young's Dream. We're not even sure that they've followed us to this galaxy. We're we're not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Destiny seems to think that it's a real possibility that they'll that they'll be back. Either that, or it knows that we know about them, so it uses them as a representation in their uh, in its simulation. Yeah. So, speaking of simulation, what's going on with? Uh, we talked about this in Trial and Error. Destiny knows what's going on with Chloe as well. Exactly. But, you know, this may be exactly what you were about to say to me because we share the same brain. <laughs> Where the hell is Franklin? I wasn't about to think that. Okay, good. I can have, <laughs> I can have my own thoughts from time. You know, that, yeah. That's, I, Ever that, since... that has occurred to me, though. You know, will Franklin appear to the others now? Yeah. Or... Well, I was, I was sort of making a lot in my own mind over the fact that you know, Rush was only seeing Gloria and Franklin on the bridge. He mm. wasn't seeing them anywhere else. And over the fact that Gloria seems to be maybe a manifestation of his own personality, 
because she doesn't really deal with anything technical related to the ship, whereas Franklin does. Mm-hmm. And since since the secret of the bridge came out and other people found the bridge and are now working there, we have not seen or heard anything from either of those guys. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have those questions answered. You know, was was Gloria, you know, a, a manifestation of the ship or not? Was Franklin? Well, we we've seen Volker on the bridge by himself. I think it would be a fun twist later on to find out that Franklin has appeared to all of them separately when they're uh, when they're by themselves on the bridge and has sworn them to secrecy not to talk about it. <laughs> and it's, it's, he's actually play, he, Destiny. He Destiny is is playing them all. Mm. You know, who knows? Who knows what's going on there? But uh, but simulations. Um, TJ has uh, said that she thinks that I think Tavaro. That uh, she thinks that uh, that what Destiny did to her was a simulation. Destiny mm-hmm. has messed with our heads before, and she thinks that it's doing it again. So what she experienced in the first episode this year, she is convinced was a fabrication now. Yeah, she seemed to reach that conclusion with Kane mm-hmm. uh, in the previous episode in Visitation. I mean, where is she at with that? What she says is, it seems like, I guess, Destiny was doing that for for. My to protect best, her. My best interest, yeah, to protect mm-hmm. me. Well, it knows that the, that the crew must survive to get wherever it's going. Uh, and she is is very critical to that, as is Young. And it has, it has behaved a certain way with both of them. So then the plan is to uh, attack this command ship to take out the drones. The Ursini are trying to get home. Mm-hmm. So we think that they're going to take us to a safe place so that we can have some time to fix our, our FTL and get our stuff together. Then and our plan is they, to get back on the road after that, right? Yeah, we the plan is to double-cross them and, and skip out on their plan to attack mm-hmm. the command ship. Instead, they take us straight to the command ship. Yeah, and the battle appears to not go well <laughs> in yes. that process. I was trying to count the little drone ships in, in the scene. <laughs> Good luck. No, no, not in this scene, but in the previous one before they go into the star. Uh, and I'm, I counted like just over twenty at one point. Yeah. And and Destiny could could not hold its own Mm-mm. against half that. Now we're sort of in this, uh, I would I venture to say fortified zone. Uh, dozens and dozens, perhaps hundreds of drones. And why the heck do the Ursini think that we can do any better mm-hmm. than we did against twenty? We're flying with a, according to Volker, a million-year-old spaceship. That's more fun for the uh, timeline enthusiasts out there. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts? Overall thoughts, um, we're halfway through Season 2, and I think that Season 2 has been a big pickup from Season 1, especially the first half. Uh, still, I have to say, at this point, a mid-season finale where we expect things to sort of come out firing on, with both barrels... I wish the show's pace was a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. So I guess I feel the same way about this. Again, not having seen part two, maybe I'm going to change my mind in April. But um, just like Incursion part one and two at the end of season one, I, I'm not so sure this needed to be a two-parter because there was so much yeah, sort of slow so much going empty in the space. first half that didn't really have any sort of payoff for the plot. And then my other complaint would be uh, we spent a lot of visual effects dollars, obviously, on the space battle stuff, which was awesome. Uh, but we never saw any Ursini. The only Ursini that we saw was in Telford's flashback footage. So he's just sort of our liaison, uh, communicating their plan, and we never, we never saw any of them. It, no, it we felt don't like, see them. 
it would have been really fun at this moment to have like a Thor, even if Mm -hmm. there's direct communication is an issue. Mm -hmm. If there was some sort of a representative who, you know, we could look in the look in the eye. That would be a fun payoff uh, for this for this kind of a chapter. Like I said before, you know, I'm hoping that uh, that this this two parter uh, will ultimately have a great deal of relevance to uh, the ongoing story of Destiny's mission and the ultimate end of whatever that is. And uh, a great way to do that would be to bring at least one Ursini with us mm. uh, that we that we could occasionally see. Then mm-hmm. I think that would really legitimize this as being a two-parter. Picking up an Ursini, you know, in- incorporating them into our crew, someone that we see every few episodes in a couple of scenes, um, I would be very satisfied with. Yeah, at least for... for- uh, uh, sort of a mini arc for the rest of the season, maybe. The other thing I considered too was um, somehow getting control of a few of these drones and uh, augmenting them and flying them with us, mm. Bring, bringing them with us as um, as uh, some kind of uh, an additional fighting force. Yeah, I wonder if they have FTL capabilities. Who knows? Destiny, I mean, doesn't seem to have a bay of any kind where we could store them. The shuttles seem to be on the outside of the ship, right? But uh, they could be pretty handy. You know, what, what's the point of encountering all this technology if we're not going to take any of it with us? Yeah, and, and in the opening scene, there is a bit of speculation as to, you know, we're going to go check out this energy source, and maybe we might actually find something that would help Destiny on its mm-hmm. mission instead of just being this huge sidetrack. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's going to pay off. Maybe we are going to find something. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, someone like Volker who says, you know, the last three alien encounters that we've had are, are pretty ridiculous, have been unsuccessful. What makes you think this is going to be any better? And I love how he just slaps Lisa down. Her, her, her comment is so ridiculous, and, it, <laughs> and he, he gives it the justice that it deserves. The um, comment of uh, you neighbor, know, you know, judge of neighborhood by a few bad neighbors? Man, holy exactly cow. That was, that was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, and he's been so sweet on her. Up until exactly. Now. <laughs> Absolutely. A little bit taken aback by that. I'm anyway. Poor girl. I yeah. love her. It's interesting. Looking forward to seeing how this um, how this one resolves. I hope I hope the second half of the season leaves us with some surprises, um, perhaps some augmentation to the crew, rather than us just getting back on the road at the end. Yeah. Well, we did uh, with, get Telford no back, gains. didn't we? We did get Telford back. That's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I really hope that there's going to be some kind of enhancement. Uh, uh, to to uh, some kind of gain to all this. Otherwise, I think Volk- Volker will be able to say the next time we detect an energy source. Are you guys out of your minds? Do you yeah. remember the last <laughs> time that we went that we went off to to get something and nothing came of that? Yeah, and the time so. before that, and the time before the time that. Before that. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit surprised that Rush seemed so eager to go check this out. Yeah, and yeah, leave, he was kind of eager, wasn't he? It's time for quibbles. This may have been answered in the episode, but I don't think it was. Okay, hit me. How did Telford and the Ursini find Destiny? Mm. How did they do that? You know, they they were good to explain, you know, how uh, the nutrient situation aboard uh, the seed ship and that these these pods uh, enabled them to eat. How the heck did they find Destiny? Well, as far we know, as we know that- Destiny doesn't have any kind of a transponder. Destiny has long range sensors, so it, it does find things like it found the seed ship. And, and dropped out of FTL back in Awakening. Presumably, I would say that if Telford and the Ursini got the seed ship underway and were flying back in this general direction, then they may have picked him up on long-range sensors. 
then why didn't Destiny pick the seed ship up on long range sensors? Because they, they were didn't in the see them until they came out of. They, well, they didn't even see the ship until they came out of FTL. Yeah, it's dramatic. It is dramatic, and it, it made for a great moment when the seed ship came out of out of hyperspace. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it coming. I I, I expected. To, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips to be in this episode, and I was watching the opening credits, and then they said, and Lou Diamond Phillips. And it's like, you know, why can't they for once hide that character in the in the end credits? You know, I loved, I love one of my favorite moments from uh, Atlantis was the, after the close of Be All My Sins Remembered, executive producers, and then you see Tori Higginson. It's like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> You know, you just expect that once once you see his name on on the title card, you, you just expect that so, at some point, you know, he's going to sneak in and help, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, they explained to us the nutrients and how he survived and how he learned to communicate and all that. They didn't explain why he's so well shaved. This is true. He's got is a that... little bit of chin stubble, but it, I think he's. They say he's been gone for a month, so he must have had some sort of a razor in his in his pocket, some sort of you know travel kit uh, maybe you can help me figure this out i'm trying to figure out what is going on with the ursini and these drones sort of geographically are we or are we not in the ursini's home neighborhood there's a line of dialogue saying that the ursini are trying to get back home but they don't want to return to their home planet without bringing about the threat of the uh, the drones right, right. to their home they want to make sure that the drone threat is over before they go home right so if it's just this group of ursini who are on the seed ship and not their whole species at large that, that right. is involved in this conflict, then um, is that the dots that I'm supposed to be connecting together? We found the, the derelict Ursini ship in the greater good. Maybe these guys were on that ship and were in a fight with the, drone, with the drones and then you know, somehow managed to escape and get to the seed ship. That mm-hmm. wasn't the case because they expected to be picked up. Mm-hmm. They were left there to study and were expected to be picked up. If... This entire species isn't having its ass handed to it right now by these drones. We know that some of them are. That graveyard was their ships. So I think they're just trying to prevent the drones from discovering their home world. And Destiny extrapolated about five Ursini motherships were involved in that conflict. That's my second quibble. Before we get to your second quibble, uh, I guess if if the Ursini woke up the drones initially by sort of expanding into their territory then presumably they could just sort of leave them alone and go back home and they seem to stay dormant don't they um why not just leave i don't get any indication at this point that the drones are are expanding outward that they're sort of taking territory as far as we know if you leave them alone they might just shut off and go back to sleep again because they're a weapon that's just been been programmed and left there I th- I think you just hit the nail on the head in terms of one of the subconscious problems of this episode. We don't get the opinion, uh, uh, at least I, I don't get the 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 feeling that this is a, this is a very defensive situation that we're in. This is this feels like a very offensive situation, and all we've done in this first half of this two parter is just invite trouble upon ourselves. Yeah. So it feels very unsettled in that way. The story that we get from the Ursini, and again, we get it secondhand. We don't get to look them in the eye. The story that we get is they're trying to get home, and they don't want to take this threat home with them. But for some but reason, it looks this pretty. Threat... It looks like we're the aggressors, doesn't it? It does. As far does. as we know, you know, maybe the drone ships don't even have FTL capability. As far as we know, if you don't go near them, then they're not exactly. going to come near you. The Ursini, you know, it's like stirring we keep up on... a beehive. 
That's exactly right. You know, we, we, we fly through the sun, they follow us, and then afterwards we, f- we fret that they're going to find us, and they never do. We, go, we have to go after them to get into trouble, and only then, again, when we get near them, do we get into trouble. Leave them the hell alone, get back on the beaten path, and, and mm. leave it at that. So that's, again, you know, this, just, again, the, with this episode, that's, that's, that's one of, the, that's one of the, the unfixed things about it, I think. That's, that's what I would love from part two, which is called Deliverance. I would love to learn that the Ursini are sort of the aggressors here and, are, and are, have, a, have a hidden agenda. That would make sense. That that would make sense in terms of everything that has that has happened. They leave Telford alive because he is an olive branch to Destiny, which they realize they will ultimately need. They could have been chasing Destiny this entire time, and we don't know it because Rush disconnected from the ship and he took off. So that would really be perfect. That would make that would make everything fit so yeah. far. Yeah. And and no one, they, granted, they didn't have a lot of time to talk about it, but no one seemed to raise that issue. Are we sure we're fighting on the right side? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your last one? My last quibble. Scott has the uh, the line, and certainly the, the, the graveyard seems to justify this. It's like a space junkyard. Ships, hundreds of them, scattered in pieces as far as the eye can see. Mm. Destiny completes a simulation, and there are, what, five ships? There are five on the screen, and there are seven of the drones. Yeah, so either they had taken a, a, a quadrant of the space... Or the graphic was really, really messed up. They had taken yeah. like a sample of the space to, uh, to, to study. Either that or, or the graphic didn't make any sense whatsoever because it looked like a lot of ships. I wouldn't say hundreds, but certainly more than five. Yeah, hundreds of fragments at least. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we thought of Resurgence, the mid-season finale of SGU. And we have a little bit of mail to get to in the mailbag this week. Let's open her up. Listen a mail. Hello, this is Mark from Metro Detroit. Love your podcast. Now, I've had a theory, and the theory has evolved, and this is Stargate Universe theory. And the theory is that basically, I do not think the blue aliens are our enemies. I think that they just want destiny. I think that they have no intention to ever killing us. And the only time that they've ever done anything really aggressive to us, because the, uh, because the times that they, we, we fought against them, they, they usually don't try to go off the shuttle. And I would think if you were really trying to just kill us, you're really, really trying to do at all costs, the shuttle would be the first thing to go, because then you don't have that pesky little thing destroying your shuttles. They care less about that shuttle... And or they care more about our shuttle than they care about their shuttle because they never try to hurt our shuttle. So they never even... And so the theory goes is that I think that the ancients did actually go on destiny. I think that they did. And I think they came upon a planet and they were infected by a contagion of some kind and they became blue aliens. And blue aliens are actually ancients. And that the fact is that they have some... That basically some some vein inside of them is trying to get them to go back to their their home destiny, but for some reason the virus transformed them, making them more into a different type of creature, and they don't really realize they are ancients anymore, and that's what's happening to Chloe. I don't know if I'm correct, and I know it's a really big leap with 
very little evidence to support this, but that's my theory. That's a cool theory. I don't. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. I think that that would be really cool. Yeah, this uh, they've got their technology. It seems to be very different from the ancients. So maybe it's something that this maybe this happened a long, long, long time ago, and so they've had a have, have had a chance to evolve as sort of an offshoot race and have developed this technology afresh. Um, that's the only voicemail we have this week, David. But we also have a message from Martin from Holland emailed me and he's got weighing in on something that we talked about a week or two ago with the communication stones. Uh, So here's Martin. He says, I've heard you speaking about whether or not being connected to someone through communication stones can get you killed if your host body dies. Obviously, you got an answer in the episode Malice. For me, however, this was never an issue. Every time the subject was discussed, I remembered Vala dying after her host was burned at the stake in Avalon Part 2. The Omnipedia even states that Dr. Lamb pronounces her dead. Luckily, she gets better. I realize that we're not dealing with exactly the same technology, since this console appears to be human-made, but I still consider this incident to be mythological precedent. That's right. That's absolutely right. But I don't take what happened in Avalon to be gospel, because when they activated the stones... Herod and Salus. Herod and Salas, when they activated the stones, Herod and Salas did not come through to the other side right. and, and start walking and talking. Now, you could say that there wasn't a stone sitting on the pad at the other end in the uh, Ori galaxy. Then why did um, you know, Jennifer Keller wake up in Neva's body? There was an exchange there. And so the show has never been consistent about mm. how these things work. Neva should have been able to get into Jennifer Keller's body. I don't know. Did they explain why Jennifer Keller was she 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 plugged into Jennifer Keller's body? Yeah. Um, season five of Atlantis Identity, I think, is the title of the episode. And the explanation was, hey, we had found Janice's secret lab and she was in there visiting Rodney one day and picked up a stone and put it down and left. There was a stone in there. So okay. she had had contact with a, with a communication stone in the lab. OK. You know, she goes into Neva's body. Uh, that doesn't make sense com- with with what happened with um with Daniel and Vala, because Daniel and Vala went unconscious, and Herod and Salas did not take them over. So it's yeah. It, and that, I wonder if that if that console from Avalon was maybe some sort of a prototype because it didn't go both ways, or maybe it had a security measure that was you know there was a switch that was flipped on that that made that it certainly could be it. Maybe it's capable of both. Yeah, but, and remember we had communication stones going on before we ever saw the terminal in Avalon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it in Citizen Joe when we, mm-hmm. we found out that Jack. And and Joe were, you know, switching every mm-hmm. so often when he was in proximity of that stone. Well, seeing each other, I don't know if they could take control of each other's bodies, but they were they were definitely seeing visions. Yeah. Um, which, which for for whatever reason was something yeah, that Jack failed to report each for other's seven years. Thoughts and memories. Well, once again, we have one more show before we take a break for the rest of the year and come back in January. And we want to talk about SGU season two so far. So we've talked about all 10 episodes. Now we're, we're not really recapping the story as much as we want to just sort of pause, take a deep breath and figure out what we've learned so far. So uh, we're going to have Diana Botsford back on for that show. Very excited. Uh, Next week, our December 20th show is going to be SGU season two so far. And in the spirit of that, that uh, we want you to take a deep breath and uh, and reflect with us 
And that's what our question is going to be about. So what do you think of the first half of uh, SGU Season 2? And in addition to that, I think uh, the broader sense of what you can say is, uh, what, you can, what we can ask you is, um, what do you think of the show so far? Yeah, and how do you think Season 2 has, uh, if you think it has, moved the show forward from Season 1? Uh, what do you like specifically about what Season 2 is doing so far? And looking forward, I want to know what people think or what they're hoping the show does where the show goes in these next 10 episodes mm -hmm. if you have any thoughts about uh, what the cosmic background radiation is so you can give us a call on the gate world podcast hotline if you want to get on next week's show be sure to call by about saturday i think saturday at the latest if you can't call by saturday then that's cool call anyway uh, we're going to have future shows where your voicemail uh, is going to get used the podcast hotline number is area code 951-262-1647. You can call any time, day or night. You can also make a brief audio recording on your computer and email it to webmaster at gateworld.net. You can also leave a comment in the podcast feedback thread in GateWorld Forum. And we always, always love reading the, uh, the news comments uh, in the uh, show notes section on the website. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. Thanks, David, for talking about Resurgence with me. Thank you, Russell, for editing the show. Mm -hmm. From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And we'll see you back here next week for one more 2010 GateWorld podcast.